Hello, and welcome back to On the Road. Uh, it's been a minute uh, since last I dropped an episode. The world was still kind of somewhat intact. On this episode, which is actually it's a much older one, I recorded it some time ago. I talked with my friend Shelley, a really good friend of mine. And I do just want to jump right into it, but a couple of things before we start. I was uh, really bummed out to have to kind of put a halt to this thing that I was really starting to enjoy so shortly after I started doing it. Uh, but obviously because of the way that things are right now, I'm traveling with just a bit more caution than I would have this time last year. Um, all of us are, I would think, um, because of it, a number of other other elements. So I don't think I'm going to be quite as strict with the format. Uh, I still like the long-form interview, and I still plan to do that. But um, from here on out, the style and the subject matter, it's going to change quite a bit from time to time. Uh, this next episode after... This one that I'm cutting right now, it's actually not an interview at all. Um, it's just, I, it, was, it was a test for this new microphone I got, which, speaking of which, uh, I'm still kind of learning how it works. <laughs> so hopefully it sounds good. I know it probably sounds much better than what we were used to. Um, but yeah, I actually went and picked it up uh, from Bonies from episode one. So he'll be back on the next episode. Um and yeah, we had a lot of fun with it, and I think it's worth sharing, so that'll be the next one. I also do want to give a big shout-out to my very good friend and editor of this podcast, Cyrus Witt. Uh, he's the magician behind the curtain that did everything, and I, I do mean everything behind the show up until this most recent episode. Uh, I was finally able to kind of invest in my own equipment, and I can now do all this stuff for my home base, but make no mistake, I would not be doing this without his help, and I am incredibly grateful. Just wanted to voice that on the record, a very sincere thank you to him. Uh, and hopefully we can get him to do an episode of his own. I uh, would love to do that. love to sit down with him and talk. Um, but on to this week's attraction, uh, recorded at the, I believe it was the Point Loma Library on a real piece of shit microphone. <laughs> uh, here is a great talk I had with my very good friend, Shelly. To personify negativity? Absolutely. Yeah. If you're there, if you're hovering over it and you're like mm-hmm. circling your thoughts around the same thing, you're going to become it. Yeah. Right, of you course. You are what you eat, bro. Oh, what were you saying? I was just going to say, like, to circle back, that's how I uh, relive my high school days. Is yeah. I don't brag about my batting average, which was actually pretty high <laughs> on my high school softball team. Um, I brag about how much I was absent and, like, the shit I went through, how I dropped out and, like, raised my little brother for years um, instead of, like, the positive things that did happen. The first time I wore a dress to school was my senior prom. Yeah. Like, I that that was an accomplishment for Shelly. Like, she didn't wear dresses. She didn't, like, I don't know. You love dresses. I love them now. Yeah. I own more dresses than pants now. Yeah. But then, like, I, you couldn't get me into... Anything without pant legs. Why not? I don't know. I think it was um, a refusal to do what my mom wanted, okay. which was dress her daughter like a girl, and then three brothers and a dad, who I looked up to way more than I looked up to my mom. Um, so I would try to stray as far from being a girl as possible. Um, and I've said this to my dad and my family, is that if I would have been more aware of myself and even things like they have now which is the hormone treatment to change genders mm-hmm. i might have changed genders as what a do you young mean shelly you've been more aware i had no idea it was even a thing you could do 
Oh, just of the uh, the ability to do so. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I didn't know it was an option. Yeah, I thought you meant like more internal. Like I would be aware of myself more. I took that wrong. I mean, maybe a little bit of both. But I I knew I was a tomboy then. Like I would yeah. say it out loud. I would claim it. Um. But yeah, I mean, if I could have like been a boy, then I might have. Do you think about that a lot? Only recently, since I found out like it was possible, I'm yeah. like. I would think back about who I was then, and then, of course, comments my dad has made lately has triggered this, like, you don't really understand how you raised me and then who you expect me to be now. Yeah. Because he makes comments about how ladylike women should be. And then I was like, you raised me as a boy. (laughs) (laughs) What are you talking about? Right. So he's like his own contradiction. But... So he's kind of old school in that sense. Only in the last four years, three and a half oh. years, if what that happened, makes what sense. Happened three, <laughs> what happened three years ago? The Shelly? political <laughs> climate allowed what? some of these people to uh, speak a certain way. I see. <laughs> and so... Tell ladies to be ladylike. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I had never heard him say something like that before. What does that do to you as an adult? It's, uh, <laughs> it creates lots of anger. Okay. Is it bottled anger or are you like comfortable enough with your dad to be like, you can't talk that way? It, depend- it, it literally depends on the day. Okay. Because uh, more so now I, um, I can say this freely because I know my dad doesn't know how to listen to podcasts. So this makes <laughs> it on. Me. He could never even he find out. He could be an aficionado. He's never going to find this shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, where was my thought going? Oh, okay. So no. Because of what he's going through now, mm-hmm. I'm way more... Um, I hold my tongue a lot more Okay. to his asshat comments. Is that to keep him, just to keep him calm? Or is that like yes. for fear of like, I don't want a big fight? Or is it like... Probably a little bit of all of it. I don't want to fight with my dad while he's not feeling good. Sure. Um, a lot of the last conversations I had with my mom weren't positive. So I feel like if my dad might be half in the grave, I'm never going to... I'm not going to intentionally try to upset him. And it's not... I'm not going to win. Right. I'm not going to convince my dad to be somebody different. Um, so why even have the fight to begin with? Would you want to, though? I used to. Yeah. I used to fight with him about this kind of stuff Would you want to change him, though? I don't know. Yeah, kind of. Yeah? It's just his thought pattern okay. seems so much more close-minded. Yeah. And uh, if he could just chill out and open up a little bit, that would be great. Not that I want him to, like, vote for Bernie Sanders, because that's never going to happen. But not to just blindly defend something because he he read an article on Facebook. You know? um, So it's like, vet your sources. Don't just read the title of the newspaper article. Kind of. It's crazy that's a problem that's so rampant. Yeah. Not what side you're on. It's not even having the information. To the point where you see people reposting titles from The Onion like it's real. Yeah. Because they don't even know that The Onion is satire. They just see these trigger words and they're like, look at this. I'll take it a step further. Watching somebody repost a picture of Ewan McGregor uh, as Jesus. 
which I've seen so many times. Oh my God. Like legit, like not as a gag, like by like <laughs> super old Christian. <laughs> like uh, I bet I bet you wouldn't even repost this for our Lord and Savior. <laughs> and it's you and McGregor. Ewan McGregor. I've seen it at least twice, at least twice on my feed. And oh I've gone out. I've been. I screenshot it. I'm like, I hate to be the one to tell you this, but it's not Jesus. That's Obi Wan Kenobi. That shit gets pulled real fast. Yeah. No, of course nobody wants to like. Also, any post. That is not the same thing as what we're talking about. But I, I just mean like the. But also, every picture you put up that you think is Jesus is not his actual photograph. What do you mean? Nobody has an actual <laughs> photograph of Jesus. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's never actually him. I know that you think this is just preposterous, but Ewan McGregor is just as much Jesus as any of the other Jesuses. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I mean, if I have to picture him, I would put him in Jedi garb. That's how I like my Jesus. Of course. He's in robes anyway, really, isn't he? I don't think he's... Is he in robes? Jesus? Yeah. I think they when they put Jesus in a picture, yeah, it's kind of robe-like. I wish the fucking the savior of mankind would dress it up a little bit. You just gotta walk. Put on back. a fucking tie, Come Jesus. On, Jesus. Um, I don't know if they had ties in. Uh, I didn't say tie. I just come on a robe. No, I, like it's nothing screams no fucks to give than a robe. I don't know enough about world history to mm. even. Um, have a discussion about what else they might have worn. <laughs> Didn't everybody wear robes I like just a hundred years ago? <laughs> <laughs> like not even that long ago. I'm pretty sure I don't have a photo of my dad out of robes. <laughs> I mean, sure. his was like a plaid bathrobe, but still. <laughs> I think my I just people dressed like that. <laughs> I'm glad we're talking about these things. Somebody's got to. Uh, you talked about high the school, important things uh, where. Are you from? I am from Houston, California. Which is the valley, Central yes, Valley. Central Valley, California. Um, like 10 minutes southeast of Modesto would be the next biggest city. Were you born there? No, I was born in Loma Linda, which is Southern California. Okay. Um, right outside Riverside. When did you do the move? Uh, my parents moved us right around when I was two. Um, what had happened was my parents married kind of young and my mom was introduced to drugs right around her first and second pregnancy. And, um, she had paranoia. My mom was very paranoid because meth ends up doing that to you. But so nobody took my mom seriously in the first couple years of her being a mother. Um, and she did drugs with me till she was about five months pregnant. She didn't know. So she finds out she's pregnant. I guess she stops for a little while, but then she has her second baby, me. She's only had my brother before. And according to her, she knew something was wrong with me. Nobody would believe her because she was a paranoid meth user. Um, and she thought that it was her fault having done drugs with me. Why my, me as a baby was different. Turns out it's just my condition that she had no cause of. Like, you, it's genetic. There, what she couldn't she, have done anything what different. What was she noticing that they weren't? I know that the paranoia, like, kind of... 
Um, ended the claim, but like, yeah. did nobody else notice there was something different or wrong? I don't think anybody else spent as much time with me as my mom. Oh, okay. You know, like your grandparents are around sometimes, and like if a baby has diarrhea, they're just a baby, you know? They're mm-hmm. like, but my, weirdly enough, my, like, I'd never had solid poop. Mm hmm. Uh, until they figured out, like, oh, I can't digest things. Wow. And then I had to be introduced to enzymes. But that's later. Um, so, as a, like, sleeping, I would wheeze as, a, like, an infant, which mm-hmm. is very strange. Um, and so everybody was like, oh, she's just a baby. Like, they get colds. Like, nobody would take her seriously. And cystic fibrosis hadn't been diagnosed for very long like in the medical world they were just figuring out yeah what to call it right um i think it was like in the early 80s maybe mid 80s they gave it a name Mm -hmm. and started mapping out like what it even was whether it was something you caught genetics whatever it's up it's genetic um so my mom ran away from her family and my dad and um was like, if you're not going to believe me, I'll go live with um, some friends. And she had a long-term friend who grew up in Houston. And her mom and her friend's mom, like, knew each other. And so my mom went to live with Kim, and they found UCSF, this the hospital in San Francisco that finally diagnosed me when I was two, only because my mom pursued like knowing that something was different with me and that's how we ended up in this weird little town my mom left my dad and her family to find out you know what happened to her baby wow see i didn't know the details of all that yeah i knew you made a move and i knew it had to do with your condition um and i knew it was at a very young age but i didn't know that yeah that's kind of uh i mean it's it's kind of nice kind of nice that your mom you know what I mean like yeah. in in a situation where you know obviously wasn't the best um, little <clears> things <throat> like that are just kind of shining core moments of character you know what I mean yeah. it's, it's kind of beautiful to see especially when surrounded by a horrible situation you know and she could have easily been talked into just thinking she was crazy you know oh, I didn't even think about that yeah, yeah that's true huh like, like no you're right like she, I know I'm on drugs you know I'm on drugs my baby's probably fine. Was she, um, I guess you might not even remember, but to your knowledge, did she feel like she was an unreliable narrator about other things? Like, did she not trust herself no. in other situations or? No. And I think I am kind of similar to her in that um, I try not to speak if I don't know at least a little bit about what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I'd rather just shut up than be wrong. Um which took a lot of learning, but like I got there because I don't like, I don't like being wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd rather just not say anything at all. And I think that was her, like she didn't just talk if she didn't know what she was talking about. She was very, um, she waited for, yeah, filtered in that. Yeah. Waited for a time she had something to, to yeah. contribute. Uh huh. Or she would even seek out the information that she was, and of course, like, it wasn't as easy then. You mm-hmm. couldn't just Google it. Right, right. would be like, no, of course something's wrong. Look, these are her symptoms. WebMD says. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah she she spent hours in libraries looking through medical journals um, to find symptoms that maybe matched up. She would ask doctors, like, 
And they were like, no, that doesn't make any sense. It's just a baby. Wow. Mm-hmm. Took her, taking me all the way to San Francisco to a huge world-renowned hospital. How many people told her no as far as, you say she talked to doctors. How many, like, medical professionals told her? I don't know that for sure because, of course, like, family is an unreliable source. Sure. My dad is a hugely unreliable source. Right. Um, so I would probably say maybe three or four. That's still, I mean, that's... You go to a doctor, it's like going to a mechanic. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I have no idea what's, why, I, you know, for a lot of people, I have no idea what's going on. You know, it hurts here. Yeah, you know? of course. Uh, so to get a second opinion at all takes a lot of like, no, there's something here that you don't know what you're doing. Like for a professional to tell me different than what I'm feeling, like I'd have to feel pretty strongly about to go to a second, but a third or a fourth, and on top of, you know, possibly unreliable narrator. Yeah. On top of everyone telling you otherwise in the family, not like strangers. On mm-hmm. top of, I had to leave home to get here. Yeah. Uh, that's nothing short of amazing to me. I mean, that's incredible. Because if she hadn't done that, yeah. where would we be? I mean, Yeah, I mean, kids that go undiagnosed usually end up a lot worse off than I am currently at my stage, if they even make it this far. Because we need so much medication just to continue being semi-healthy. Um, I mean, I think I'm like one of the luckier patients because I made it into adulthood. So if if she hadn't have fought for that, yeah, being where she was, um, yeah, I might I might not be here today. I mean, it's with you the know, la- it's... with the lack of medical attention, right? But of, of course, like two or three years later. Maybe they would have diagnosed it then. It might not have ended up being that bad. But it could have went one way or the other. Like, it could have been okay. It could have been fucking tragic. There's, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's a million domino effects that could take in a different direction. But um, it's just, yeah, I don't know why it's really sticking with me. It's really lingering with me, though, that the dedication of a parent uh, always kind of hits me in the right spot. Uh, That's really beautiful, man. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've thought positively about it. Yeah, because, you know, we've talked a little bit, and it's usually kind of negative, and it's yeah. usually, like, kind of a downer story, and, and it, you know, it's a shame that they couldn't all be like this, but this, I think, is the first really, really cool story about your mom I've heard. Yeah, they're few and far between. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny, too, because, like I said, like, I've, it's been so long since I've even thought positively, because when I do talk about this story, my mind goes to... The fact that I was a, a drug baby for a huge part of her pregnancy. She was just doing drugs while yeah. pregnant with me, not knowing. Um, and just like the inconsistencies that usually people in my family repeat when they talk about like her at that age. Yeah. And her just being a total paranoid drug user. And so it's like hard to tie the positivity, positivity into it. So it's actually nice to to come back around and and have that. Yeah, and I hope that me, you know, lingering on this doesn't come across bad. I hope I'm not trying no, to be like, it's what actually, a nice thing. Yeah, this this no. fucking horrible part of your life. You know, like, I don't mean to do, do that. But. I would much rather continue remembering it as a positive, like, parental triumph. Yeah. Than... At least in that moment, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, in that moment, or I guess it wasn't a moment. It took some time. But yeah. that period, you know, that's a About lot About two of, years. Yeah. Oh my god. I mean, I just 
me as a parent, you know what I mean? If I was clean and if yeah. I was like, uh, I don't know, like all the best things that you'd look for in a dad, I probably wouldn't have asked for other doctors. You know what I mean? Like I'd have been like, I'm crazy. I would have. I would have given up on myself. I would have thought that I was wrong. Yeah. And of course, like I can't honestly tell you what the doctors told her. I don't know what they said. Right. They could have said, yes, she's having unusual symptoms, but I can't tell you what they are. Mm-hmm. And so please pursue it with this. Uh, recommendation or gotcha you know so they didn't probably all say oh she's fine leave it alone okay but I do know that my family was not backing her up like my dad her husband her brand new couple years in marriage yeah. you know was like no it's leave it alone she'll be fine she's just baby um, and of course there could have been doctors who were like I don't understand what you're seeing because I'm not seeing it mm-hmm. because of you know you have symptoms and then you show up with the doctor, and they're not obviously always showing. You're like, right. oh, I've had a fever. And they're like, well, you don't have a fever right now. You're fine. <laughs> no, that's not how it goes. Usually there's something that caused the fever. Right. Um, but there's not always the thing that's presenting itself at the time of need to be viewed. So, yeah, I don't... I mean, I can walk into the doctor on any given day and be like, oh, well, sometimes I have this. And they're like, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what that means. Yeah, I mean, like, you, part of you as, as a logical thinking human being is like, well, how can I expect them to hit a magic button and just fix me? Yeah. But then the other part is, no, you're a doctor. You're supposed to know. <laughs> you're supposed to know these like, things. Yeah, like, I've been dealing, <laughs> of course, over this past month, I've been dealing with quite a bit of, like, extra illness. Like, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but I have a weird thing happening with my voice that has no symptoms connected to it. I don't have a sore throat. There's no swelling. Um, but uh, my voice is like compressed in some sort of weird, scratchy way, like I've been shouting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, when I bring it up to the doctor, I just was there on Monday, and they're like, "It's maybe part of you." <laughs> <laughs> like, like they don't, they can't connect anything perfectly. Like, have you tried talking different? <laughs> yeah. Did you drink some warm water? Try gurgling. <laughs> So I was like, we expect so much from doctors, and they're just throwing darts at a board. I'm, I don't mean to compare, because <laughs> you have real doctor stories. I did, I tell you about, did I tell you about, uh, I just went, um, when my ears were bleeding? No. I just went to the doctor before I left San Diego. Uh, like the free clinic or whatever, sliding scale yeah. doctors. I'd pay like $20 or whatever. I, 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 <coughs> I might have to cut all this out. It's kind of a long story, but it's worth it. You'll like it. I, put, I do the Q-tips, and there's a little bit of dried blood. Okay. On, on each ear, though. And I'm like, that's really weird. Uh, strange. That Whatever. is a little... Life yeah. goes on. Uh, I take a shower the next day. I hop out. And in the right ear, still a little bit of blood in, in the left ear, but in the right ear, caked in red on the Q-tip. Just covered in blood. Like in a lot. fresh blood or dry? Fresh, wet. But I also hopped out the shower. Oh, right. So yeah. it's steam. So it's, yeah. Exactly. So I'm like, okay, something could open. But it freaks me the fuck out. Enough to go to a doctor, which I never do. And I go to the doctor... Go through all this stuff. New doctor, right? So I don't know this person. Yeah. And tell her what happens, and she looks in my ears with the little thing, you know, the light. She goes, well, it looks good. And I'm like, all right, okay. Looks good. Uh, what, what's next, then? What do we do? What's the yeah. next step? She goes, well, it looks good. Uh, I'm like, well, it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I was bleeding. What causes ears to bleed? Right, yeah. And she's like, well, it's very possible that you scratched it. And it's, you know what I mean? Like you had, you went too far with a Q-tip or whatever. You scratched your ear or something. Little cut. I'm yeah. like, oh, okay. Did you see a little cut in there? No. Looks good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like. There's no scabbing. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, 
again, it's not good because I'm still bleeding. You know yeah, what I mean? My, from my head. Yeah. She goes, hmm, let's check. And she gets a Q-tip and she goes, oh, yes, I do see the blood here. And she, like, gets a Q-tip and pulls blood out of my head. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. All right. So what is the next? I mean, is, is there something we can do besides shining a flashlight in my ear? She goes, oh, this is not a flashlight. <laughs> <laughs> She goes, this is a highly powered uh, magnifying glass. I said, yeah, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> I'm aware. I was uh, trying to diminish your tools. I, I simply think that, I said, I just, I'm a little worried <laughs> that I'm bleeding out of both of my ears on the same day. And she goes, well, there's just, there's no way for blood to just come up in there. And I'm like, what do you, that's when I got mad. I'm like, do you think I'm making this up? What do you mean there's no way for blood to get shows? Would you, would you like me to look again? I said, Fine. yeah, look, please, that'd be nice. Yeah, take a closer look, go ahead. And she goes, I swear to God, she goes, uh, there it is, it's a scratch. <laughs> and I'm like, great, thanks, and I left. This bitch was not gonna help me out. But right, so like, it's almost like she didn't even see something. Didn't, no, she did not see, she saw nothing. And right. just didn't feel like, uh, seeing what the next step was to see why I'm bleeding out of my head. Has it since stopped? No. She told me to stop using Q-tips, so I did do that. <laughs> but, so now you don't know. Like, I've you're used not... a Q-tip once uh-huh. uh, uh, the, uh, the other day, and uh, it, was, it was all like a scab, like all red blood, like dried up, had been in there for a while. Uh-huh. Like a lot of scab came yeah. out of the Q-tip. But it wasn't bleeding. Um, after the fact, you know what I mean? So it wasn't okay, like it ripped right. off. So you're, sc- you're scratch healed. <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I hope. It's strange. It's super strange. Uh, I really hope I'm not bleeding out of my head today. I'm, tomorrow might be fine with it. Well, I mean, it's probably not like in your brain cavity. I don't know what it is. Because your ears. I was told, but you can't bleed out your ears. That's what the medical doctor told me. Blood doesn't come out of your ears, she told me. <laughs> so I'm sure I'm fine. I'm just imagining it. Oh my god, <laughs> that is so strange. I wonder, just knowing, because your ear, nose, and throat is mm-hmm. all connected. Right. So what if you had like a bloody nose and you slept in a way that could have went back up the eustachia tube? What's it called? There's like a there's a tube that connects it all. I don't know what it is, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, that would be like if a doctor told me that. I'll be like, yeah, sounds reasonable. Yeah, wonderful. But you know what possible. the doctor did tell me? Then what can I get there? <laughs> I know, how strange. It doesn't exist. There's no blood in the ears. You're fucking crazy. That is. This is on tape now, so if I die, uh, you know. You'll have accounted. Somebody's going to benefit account. from my death. Like, somebody's gonna, there's going to be a good suit involved. Well, if you die because of this, not exactly. just if you die. Exactly. That's what I mean. If I die because of blood loss through the ear. Um, I don't think you're going to all eight pints. You're going to get all eight pints out of your ear. I'm a heavy sleeper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just Leia's like on your pillow, soaked in blood, not even aware of what's happening she's to you. Gonna, she's going to be dancing. I'm picturing her just galloping <laughs> with Maddie Making hair. biscuits in your like, <laughs> in your blood. <laughs> Making a snow angel. <laughs> just a morbid snow angel. Oh. Oh, uh, that would be a great Christmas card. Just fake blood. Just me, a corpse, and then Leia covered in, like, fake blood. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> like on Halloween. She's got a little cat Santa Yeah, hat. yeah, there's, like, fall. There's, like, a seance. There's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a pentagram. And, like, I think it'd be great. That'd be a fun photo op. 
That would be fun. It'd be fun to create that yeah. picture. I saw one the other day somebody did of, of a baby, of a zombie baby. It was like a, a birth announcement. And it yeah. was just a baby playing in blood. Like a bathtub <laughs> of blood. There was like guts and stuff, like props in there. And it was like, ah! It was, <laughs> it was super adorable. That is, yeah. I love that. <laughs> I love when you connect more morbid to like brand new baby. <laughs> it's extra horrifying. It's because it is the spectrum. Yeah, of course. It's right? the furthest the fresh you'll ever life. get from death is and this like... baby. So it's like kind of cool. I want a calendar, just a 12-month calendar of zombie babies. <laughs> that probably exists. I want it. Amazon. Um, so when, that's where I came from. Yeah, when did you leave Houston? Um, I was 18 going on 19. Okay. Uh-huh. To I, Fresno? Yeah, to Fresno. I moved in with For my school? aunt Lynn. Yeah. Okay. Um, I didn't want to be in Houston any longer. Don't That's be. usually why people leave, right? Right. Um, except that people who don't want to be somewhere sometimes don't leave. So <laughs> I did the other thing and I left. So I was 18 and a half when I left Houston. Um, I, <laughs> by sheer... Um, incompetence of my high school teachers. Did I graduate high school? Because I didn't attend. Okay. I attended completely freshman year. I missed a lot of sophomore year. Um, and I guess I didn't, like, I didn't have a perfect record freshman year, but I went most of the year. Yeah. Most of sophomore year. And then my younger brother, my youngest brother was born, and I dropped out of high school. So I didn't attend any day junior year of high school. And then I didn't attend my first half of senior year. And then I was able to make up credits in like this really short term. Those booklets where you fill out the booklet and it's like equal to X amount of credits. Exactly. Yeah. And then um, I took like every Friday test for geometry. They mm-hmm. did a, every, every, a test every Friday to make sure you knew the chapter, you tested on the chapter. And then, so in like the span of a couple weeks, I tested out of geometry and passed geometry. Nice. Um, Cause I'm not stupid, I just don't right, like yeah. school. And I, other circumstances caused me to miss a lot of it. Um, Excuse me. And so the last like couple months of senior year, I attended high school and graduated with um, like a, like over a 3.0, like 3.2 or something. What's that like socially? To come into high school after a year and a half gap and having been sporadic prior and... In the small town that I was at, it was like I never left. You, These were the people I went to from kindergarten to senior year. Mm-hmm. They knew me. They knew my circumstances. I. It was. It's like you never miss a day in your life. Okay. Um, and I had a pretty... Like I had a best friend... And she also came in and out of high school with me, um, but her circumstances were different. She was a little bit more of a troublemaker, and gotcha. so she would never finish off a year by being suspended or expelled or having to transfer. Um, and she ended up even graduating in Texas, where I graduated in Houston, just because of our weird lifestyles. And um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I walked over my. Uh, senior platform or whatever they hand me a diploma and it's with 150 kids we graduated that day and it's like i knew three quarters of them since kindergarten 
So you're 17 or 18 when you graduate? I was 17. So in a year you go back, or not back, but you go to your own independent town from home. What? Moving to Fresno, like in a year later or so from, from graduating high school is when you make the move? Yeah. Um, well, so yeah, I graduate uh, June mm-hmm. of 2005. I got a job at Taco Bell in like August or September. Yeah. Um, and then I turn 18 in Houston. And then I end up getting really sick and I quit Taco Bell. Um, and then I went to work for my dad. He owned a printing company. So I did like kind of like secretary work. I would yeah. collate paper and staple shit and make holes. Was in. it just for something to do or were you like... I needed a little bit of money and I was 18 and I was bored and I still lived at home with my dad. Um, but it wasn't like saving up for get my own place or for the move. No, there like, was no real plans. done. I'll make some cash. Yeah, I'll just figure out what I want to do. Gotcha. And then... I don't even remember what triggered it, except that maybe I saw a commercial. <laughs> and then there was um, there was ITT Tech or IOTT or ITOT or something Institute of Technology, and they had a culinary program. Yeah, they had that really catchy commercial with a jingle. You remember? Probably. That? I don't, Institute of Technology. Yeah. So I see this <laughs> yeah. probably, and I was like, oh yeah, I I love cooking. Right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go be a chef. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I sign up to the Institute of Technology in Fresno. How does that feel? I was loving it. Yeah? Um, uh, it was the first... The independence of it all? Or something else more I had I had the illusion of independence. Okay. Well, which is just as powerful as real True. independence. But Not there's as effective. This, yeah. But okay. So I'm, same I'm no longer at mom's house or dad's right. house, yeah. but I'm living with my aunt. Yeah. Uh, where she's totally running her home, and I'm just now a part of it. Like yeah. I don't grocery shop. I eat at aunt's house. She makes dinner every night. Like I finally get. Um, weirdly enough, I finally get to move and be a kid who is in a home where things are taken care of for them because. Growing up, Shelly, I ran my dad's house. I was the only girl. I made sure the grocery shopping got done. I helped my dad pay bills. I, I ran my dad's home for him, yeah. like, more as a partner than a child. Um, and so I move in with Aunt Lynn's house, and I get a, this feeling that I'm no longer at home. But what I did is I got to be a kid more than I did when I was at home. What's an example of... Because I'm, I, I see what you mean by the excitement of, of uh, not having all this extra responsibility <clears throat> and having somebody who's going to, like, take care of, like, the basics yeah. for you. But what's the part that's the most fun? Is it, like, having a meal ready for you? Or is it, like... That definitely was part of yeah. it. Um, not having... Because Lynn, Lynn is awesome, and she cares a lot about you're being okay Mm -hmm. but she wasn't the kind of person who called to check in on you if you didn't come home Mm -hmm. like she was very like you guys are no that's what i'm saying is that i didn't have that yeah i couldn't not show up at dad's house um i would get phone calls yeah constant phone calls where are you why are you home um and so i'm at i'm at lynn's house i'm 18 i'm sort of dating somebody um who i'd known for a few years because i my senior year of high school 
high school when I should have been attending, I was also going back and forth to Fresno on the train a lot, Mm -hmm. um, dating someone who was Corey's friend. And then we broke up before I moved to Fresno, but I'd already had like a a relationship of going back and forth, um, knowing the town a little better. But now I'm living there in this town that I started to like. I have my own car. I don't have my parents putting, you know, putting any rules on me. and I just get to be an 18-year-old asshole. You know, <laughs> like I don't have a curfew. Was... My, everything's paid for except for exactly what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just get to just fucking run rampant What's in a bigger city. What's being an asshole for Shelly? Because you're not an asshole. So I'm trying yeah. to see what that um, would be. <laughs> staying out all night without ever telling anybody where I went. I love that you're being an <laughs> asshole. It's just having <laughs> the right to do. It what was new want. for me. I know, no, I know. Yeah. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't connect that to asshole. I'm not saying it's not exciting. No, yeah. But you're like, look at those assholes out there. <laughs> staying out past nine. <laughs> <laughs> it's how Pieces it, of shit. It's how it felt. Um, not contributing to the home. Right, right. It was a very asshole move for me because my dad depended on me. Like, my brothers depended on me. Um, and I fucking left. And I was just not... Um... What kind of scene were you in? Who was Shelly running around with at 18? Um, like, what was your breakfast club? Corey's friends they were like stoner skater so a little bit of that and then my cousin Dustin's friends Mm -hmm. who were scene kids like the epitome of scene in 2006 so you roll in My Chemical Romance AFI um, Dustin also dyes his hair black and and, um, is pale as can be Um, so you you turn so I have a little bit of both and you're this hard working Tomboy, work ethic, yeah. straight laced, kind of not asshole. I mean, I drank in high school, but yeah, like that were was you like belligerent, or were you just I had some drinking. I had some belligerent moments, yes. Oh, okay. in I high school, one? is that allowed? Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> um. Wow, I get to meet asshole Shelley. Okay, sophomore year okay. is probably the first time my friend Veronica and I. And I, I don't know if I get to, I should be able to reveal this, but it's the night Veronica loses her virginity in the back of Stephen's oh, car. this is a big, this is a big day. <laughs> and so what, we're at Stephen's friend's house, who is even older. He's like 19. Okay. And they, um, in Modesto, drove oh, souped up Hondas. <laughs> like they were all part of this, like, they all owned Honda Civics. Right. Hatchbacks with like big exhaust pipes and whatever the fuck mm-hmm. they did and they did drag racing. Were they racing? Yeah, I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, drag racing down McHenry, which is actually um what a lot of what's American American graffiti. American graffiti is yeah. about McHenry. Um and so there was like a night where Veronica and I go with the boys and they're like cruising McHenry. Right. And we end up at the friend's house. And we're drinking Smirnoff. And I am so drunk on Smirnoff ice. Like three of them. I'm like 14 or 15. No, I got you. Veronica's somewhere with Steven, apparently in the back of his Honda Civic. Yeah. Um, And I'm just hanging out with a couple of other guys who are actually perfectly fine. Like nobody fucked with me. I didn't like 
feel uncomfortable, which mm-hmm. was actually um, unique, really, Pretty for a young girl to be safe around a couple of older guys drunk for you, off her ass. Did you feel insane? No, I never once ever felt pressured to have sex. Okay. I feel like I lucked out. Like, I'm a statistic on the opposite spectrum. I think it probably has a lot to do, too, with being in a town where everybody knows everybody. You know um, but mean? that's like, Houston. Everybody knows everybody. That's what I mean. That's yeah. not Modesto. We're in oh, Modesto. I'm sorry. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, um, you're transitioning. But aren't you with the cats from Houston? That's who you're No, with? these are Modesto boys. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but they were all perfectly fine. Like, I was never assaulted in any way. You're safe today, Modesto. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, no, not today. They're not. Don't go to Modesto. Oh, no. I just, okay. <laughs> but, yeah, like, their reputation in this story is fine. Um... <laughs> they call it meth gesto these days. Uh, but yeah, so that's my first. I was just so drunk, acting like a weirdo. Probably Wait, like that's the story. Speaking, yeah, I mean, it was. I don't know. Like, I didn't do anything. That's what I meant. I thought you were going to tell me something. And then I fucking kicked the door down when he was mounting her for the first time and put oh, a no. fucking Gatorade. <laughs> like, I was oh, like, that would have been what great. was asshole Shelly like? Uh, you just, you I'm just drunk getting with nice way boys? too drunk with, yeah, guys who didn't assault That's me. That's not an <laughs> asshole. It's not an asshole move. I thought you were going to do something horrendous. I mean, I'm like 15 getting belligerent drunk. Like That's, That's fine. I don't know how much. I'm not trying to pressure you to look for a reason to be an asshole. I didn't think that you were. I was just, it blew my mind that you were coming at me saying, well, I had some stories. Shelly's got some <laughs> some adventures. That blew my mind. See, but that, okay, so maybe at 15 and my memories of it, it's out of the ballpark for Shelly's behavior. Totally. No, I'm not so saying that. So it seems like, yeah. so I'm like, no, that was so insane. And you're like, no, that was not. Well, here's here's the thing. Like, here, here's what I meant. I just thought that it was. Well, actually, I wasn't trying to make a point. I was going to ask a question, which was, okay. what it, was it like being that Shelly, uh, straight laced Houston uh, Shelly? Oh, right, that's what and we're then talking about. Is to, it coming to Fresno and then running with the scene kids and the who else did you say you were rolling with? Corey's like skater stoner friends. Yeah, the skater stoner friends. So I mean, coming into. Uh, a world that's not Houston, because I can't imagine they had like. Did they have that that crowd over there? Was there like a skate crowd? Yes, there was. Which my older brother was a huge part of. Oh, okay. So this is not a big transition. When I picture no. Houston, I pictured like because you say it's such a small town. It I picture it's mostly because the Central Valley is mostly Aggie. I'm picturing yeah. a lot like in Fresno, the part of town where it's just like a house and then nothing. That's house that's and, how I grew up. Yeah, that's my dad's house. It's to picture a scene in that. Probably a hundred to two hundred yards between every home, so, but, and then so just there, trees in between. There was then like an active community of like counterculture kids. Sorta. Okay. Um, and there was like ten of them in each of these. Gotcha. Um, so you got a taste. Yeah, and a lot of them crossed into each other's ter territory but group of people like the venn diagram gotcha they most always had a few overlaps in who hung out where the only reason i'm kind of dwelling on this is because i wonder if it's culture shock moving to fresno or if you can easily kind of fit in it's not that weird i know you've been coming for some time yeah i don't think for me it was but just because i had friends right i didn't I didn't move to Fresno without a group of people I already knew. Oh, you such as my cousin. I knew you had your aunt and you had your yeah, brother. Yeah, so Corey you've and got Dustin. Kind of in place a whole. And group, I knew Corey and Dustin's people. Yeah. Okay, so that's 
That's awesome, then. Yeah. That's like laying the groundwork years in advance. So, for me, the culture shock was the freedom of not living at home. Right. Which and, is... And also having my own car. Right. I had only had a car for a few months. And that's like, that's kind of a coming of age thing, though. I think everybody kind of yeah. hits that point. It just happened to me at 18, um, where my brothers all got a car when they were 16. Shelly didn't get a car until she was 18. Um, and I'm not sure why it happened that way, but it did. Uh, it's... <laughs> Yeah, so I, like, in my little town, you know, being straight-laced, I was like, no, I got drunk a couple times underage. That's, that's more and than, like, I, and that's I didn't like, do shit. Like, I was, yeah. you know, like, you were probably a rock star to me, like a 15-year-old Christian <laughs> compared to you. I sat in my room. I watched movies. That's all I did, really. Um, yeah, you, it, I was more actively rebellious than that. I was rebellious. Uh, but they were minute rebels, rebellions. What, what do you mean? Just like like getting drunk and, and lying about was it. Was it an or, active rebellion, you think? I mean, like, isn't it, it with any kid that's like not doing what their parents say, which is sit I down and like that's, behave? I, I didn't have that because I was kind of allowed to do whatever I wanted. And then you... And then I didn't. Your, I was just your like, behavior okay. was still pretty square. Well, because it wasn't... I, yeah, there wasn't anything to rebel against. You know what I mean? Right. There wasn't like a thing I wasn't allowed to do or this forbid alcohol wasn't this forbidden substance and you know what I mean? Like it was just there. Uh there was drugs in the house, like on party nights, you know what I yeah. mean? Like it's I wasn't exposed to it so much they were pretty good about keeping that shepherd, but I was in that scene, you know, so it wasn't like mm-hmm. a big mysterious adult thing that I wasn't allowed to be around, like Weirdly enough, it wasn't rare for us either. Like my dad was a full blown alcoholic. Came out pretty, yeah, still, that's what I mean. Like, it's... and I learned later that like most of the time, dad had the munchies. It's because he was high as fuck on pot. Right, and that's the thing is, you look back as a kid, you're like, yeah, oh, I know that smell. Yeah, that smells like dad's closet. So it's like, yeah, you <laughs> learn later that yeah. like, yeah, you weren't that sheltered either. Not like, at all. Yeah, but I feel like we still. As much as my dad would get drunk every weekend, mm. we weren't supposed to. We were the kids, you know, like, gotcha. behave. Uh, kids are to be seen and not heard. Like, Oh, okay. Yeah, this kind of, like, fall in line and do what I say, even though I don't... Do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. These kind of people. Um, so it was like, fuck you, I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> like, you're off getting drunk. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go hang out with Veronica. Yeah. And then I would be with boys who were perfectly fine and everything was apparently pretty chill. Respectable. Yeah. So, um, oh, and then I left. Yeah, so I'm living at Lynn's house. Mm-hmm. I'm learning the uh, illusion of independence. I have a, a job at Toys R Us seasonally. <sighs> I work there from like October, November, December in like the Christmas season. I always thought that'd be the best job to be fired from. <laughs> like I was like that's how I, when I was <laughs> like when I was getting my first jobs like uh-huh. at the point where I'm like because I was working as soon as I could um, so I'd apply all the time and I'm like well I don't need the money you know what I mean like I'm just going to school like I just what am I gonna do with my days and I could I would like more money <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know but yeah. what I don't need it so I wasn't and I wasn't I knew I wasn't gonna stay in Fresno so I didn't want a career so I wasn't looking at shit I wasn't I don't think I was in school at this point either. I was like, it's 17, I'm going to be out. At the moment of 18, I'm out. And yeah. I was. 
But until then, I might as well make some money. So I did approach before every, I was like, what would be a fun job to get fired from? <laughs> so I made a list, and Toys R Us was the top of the list. That's so funny. Yeah, I thought I'd just fucking play I toys. got talked to a lot. I was never fired. I ended up quitting. Um, not that, I don't know if I would have been kept on anyway. I was a seasonal yeah. um, rush hire. What are you hire for Christmas season sure. coming up? Um, but at, at Toys R Us, you were supposed to upsell protection plans for electronics mm-hmm. and batteries. And I did neither of those things. I'm not doing it. I don't blame you. Yep. And and I'm also going to school five days a week for like no four days a week, five hour. What were you going to school for? I was going to be a chef. I was oh, going so you to. Down. You you. This is the same school. Or I thought you went to a different school after. No, I this. This was is college. the same this is, Yeah, this is the few months. My first few months in right. Fresno. I jumped ahead because I know your story. I know you went to City as well. So oh, yeah. I'm that thinking, was I'm years, ahead. years later. That's my fault. Sorry. Um, this is still 18-year-old Shelly turning 19 while working at Toys R Us and going to culinary school. And what happened? I got sick. I was not taking care of myself because I didn't have a bedroom. I'm still sleeping on Lynn's couch. Mm-hmm. I work at least four hours a day, three or four days a week. I go to school five hours a day, four days a week. Um, And I'm in a new city, hanging out with all kinds of people. I probably didn't do a breathing treatment for months. Oh, wow. Um, Which is a daily thing now, right? A couple times a day. Twice daily, three times daily. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, So I end up very sick in December um, and quit Toys R Us and drop out of the Institute of Technology. Um, And then because of how bad I allowed my health to get, I ended up going to the hospital for two weeks in December and ending up back in the hospital in January because I didn't quite recover. Um, So Shelly has to rethink being an adult out of the house. Yeah. Uh, Lynn and her husband, uh, Corey and Dustin's dad, got um a house where i could have my own bedroom oh yeah which is we lived out by central east camp west campus the one way out in the country yeah yeah my school um we lived out on dickinson on a winery Mm -hmm. in a huge four-bedroom home it was gorgeous and i got my own room for the first time ever did i have a room i didn't have to share with 19 still 18 19 at this point. 19. Yeah. Wow. 19 years you get your own room. What's that like? It was insane. I um, I, I loved it. I had a TV and in my bed and my entertainment center. Um, Did you get to set it up or you walked in and it was just ready? For no, I, I had to I had to set it up. So that's... Because my dad brought me my furniture. Right. I got my furniture because I had like my own furniture. Was it to decorate your room for the first time? Well, no, I had decorated a room. It was just now this is the only room. It was more like sleeping in the room by myself was the biggest thing, you know. Um, I loved it. I had my own space. I didn't have to worry about somebody else coming in. Because as a child... Did you ever just sleep in weird corners of the room? I did... Or like do some crazy shit that you just couldn't do before? Yeah, yes. Um, Or also leave my laundry everywhere. I had a messy room for almost the first time. Yeah. Um, I would, I had a, I had the bed and I had a little love seat and I would just sleep in the love seat. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, 
like I finally have my own room for the first time in my life. It was crazy. That's awesome, man. Yeah, at 19. I have what? my own car, I have my own room. Maybe this I'm is... I'm in a whole big city. <laughs> <laughs> Fresno. <laughs> yeah, what's that? Maybe this is uh, shedding too much light on my mental instability. But do you ever have like, <laughs> just conversations with yourself? Like, fucking good for you, Shelly. Look at this. No. Look at all this you did. Because you never, like, how rare do you sum up your life in just, like, a couple hours? I have to a lot. Oh, see, no, I don't... I, I often have to ground myself. Like, uh, I, it's usually because of too low, but you can do it for too high, too, and I have to yeah. remind myself, no, this is where you are. And it's often, dude, you've got a room that you pay for, and it's yours, and no one can take it from you, and you've got food in your fridge and it's all for you and I know it's like silly but I do have to do that to myself a lot to yeah. remind myself like this is where you are and the first time if I had not had any of that for 19 years like I had my own room you know yeah. what I mean like I don't worry if I had all that thrown at me at one time uh, there'd probably be a there'd probably be a long conversation with me <laughs> <laughs> yeah. on on like bringing yourself back down to earth or like um, uh, finally, at that point, just like, yourself positivity. Just being overwhelmed by yeah. so many things. Yeah, I think that if I'm like overwhelmed with emotion of any kind, not even just emotion, but experience, yeah. I do have to take time for myself and, and just sit down and like really meditate on where I'm at. There was definitely, like I said uh, way earlier, that I dealt with depression that I didn't know about. Mm -hmm. um, and still, this 19 year old Shelly who's in Lynn's home working and going to school didn't understand. Yeah. Um, because after the having to quit school, which is something I really wanted to get through, um, I I dealt with a lot of not wanting to be social, just shutting down. But it was also countered with a lot of these cool wins, like I'm I have my own room. Yeah. So instead of thinking like this is me not wanting to leave my room because I'm depressed, I'm like no, I finally get my own room. I can just sit in here as long as I want. Oh, so you justified negative behavior. With this advancement. With yeah. Like these new there was like this weird like kind of negating one with the other. Wow, I didn't think about it that way, but it's dangerous. Yeah, you could do that. Yeah. You could just kind of put yourself in your comfort zone and treat it like a reward. Yeah. Or like a win. Yeah. Um and I didn't get too far one way or the other, of course. Like I, I'm still doing okay. I didn't get so bad that I was never able to socialize and I didn't. I haven't killed myself yet, <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, I'm also you know I'm still dealing with a lot of my overwhelming emotional journey. Well, it sounds like you have a, a very in tune level of awareness, though. You know what I mean? Which is half the <laughs> battle, I think. Like knowing, like you're, yeah. like like you say, you didn't know about it when you were younger, but like now having the tools and words for it, I mean. Like you say, you seem to stay in the middle pretty good. You know what I mean? You're not yeah. swaying too far in either extreme. Even when you get drunk and belligerent, you're just sitting politely in somebody's backseat. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you're doing all right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I honestly don't know where to credit any of that. I think I just ended up... Credit yourself. Being okay. Right, but I mean, yeah. you can't... I don't think even if I would have tried, mm -hmm. I would have been somebody who could have like been top of their class in any college. Okay. Even if I tried. 
Um, but there's only one top of the class. That's the thing, too. I it's mean, like, yeah. There's only there's like, be one person. And because you've done top. other things, too. You didn't just graduate with straight A's. Lots of people graduate with straight A's. They do extra But, yeah, they do. Yeah. They volunteer. They have all these um, programs and clubs and shit. Um, but so even in, like, a, a grade point average standpoint, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't even make a top, top tier grade point average. Maybe not. Uh, the thing that I keep going back to this talk though about really hitting over oh, the yeah. head is, is, is again not to fault anybody but the emphasis of praise for somebody for doing something because I do get the impression and you keep saying it, I'm not that intelligent or I'm, I'm medium smart you keep saying that like as a caveat but it's like <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's not has nothing to do with the level of intelligence that person who finished high school bottom of the class still finished high school with the person at the top of the class. They both still graduated, and yeah. that's what I'm saying. That person does not deserve less praise for achieving the same goal. Oh, no, of course that's not. That's what I mean. Like, I, yeah. I think everybody deserves credit for doing shit, uh, and just because it was easy for you to do something doesn't mean you don't deserve that credit, that praise. Yeah. Because um, you still did it. It might be less impressive, but it's still the same level of, of um, accomplishment. Yeah. I think. I can't disagree. Um, you could. I've been doing it all day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't. I said it and I was ticket no. Um, where else have you been, Shelly? Where, where have I been? Where are some places you've been? What did you do in San Francisco? I used to go there um, every year my whole life. <laughs> that's well, where my CF center was. It's where oh, the doctor that's right. was. You said that. Yeah. I was diagnosed there. Um, the Central Valley didn't have a care center for um, for me, my special needs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would go there to see my doctor basically my whole life until I moved to Fresno. No, that's not true. I actually continued to go through from Fresno all the way to San Francisco just to see my doctor until I came to San Diego. Then I went to UCSD. Who do you like better? UCSD, hands down. Yeah. But it's not fair because I'm a better patient at UCSD because I'm now I'm a f- fully established adult who takes care of themselves. Right. Um, and because UCSF knew me from my childhood, I had the same like uh, pediatrician, pulmonary pediatrician, until I was like 17, and then he retired. And then 17 through 26, I had the adult pulmonary CF team and so they got to see my shit show of like not taking care of myself because now I don't live at home and like I am 22 and I'm invincible and you don't feel like you're gonna die at 22 even with um oh no (laughs) see like I even with a terminal illness right I was never gonna die I'm only 22 did you really you thought there was yeah there was like I don't have to take my medicine for years and Wow. Um, there's also this weird like rebellion against death like see if you can get me now I'm only 22 that's and... true I didn't think about it but that's that probably is. did he just walk into that door <laughs> he, he did <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I mean <coughs> those at home <laughs> this gentleman just walked into a door but oh. it has a sign on it at eye level yeah Subtle I think maybe colors. he thought it was push and not pull Oh, okay, I got it. Because it looked like he tried to push into the door. We talked a little bit about it uh, a long time ago. So forgive me if 
I'm asking you to tell me something I've already asked. But um, you went on your trip to Italy. Yeah. And was it just Italy? Yeah. How long was that? That was a month? I was in Italy. Well, hold on. I want to ask you. Um, yes, sorry. No, it's okay. I want to ask what, how you got there. Because On I, a plane. Thank you. I, <laughs> sorry, I couldn't yeah. help it. You softballed that one right I at me. I did that to myself. <laughs> um, no, I just, it, it, was, it was kind of out of nowhere. It was a birthday gift. No. Not a birthday gift? It to happened. To yourself, I mean, like... I mean, kind of, it happened around my birthday, but it wasn't, like... I thought that was the, that was the reason for the... I shouldn't tell you your story. <laughs> tell, me, <laughs> tell me about when you um, went to Europe. Okay. Uh, David and I had been together four years at the time. Mm-hmm. And I... Have I had gone to Mexico as a child, like um, maybe eight, nine, ten. We crossed the border and went to the one of the little border towns. Mm-hmm. Almost every person goes to when they are in Southern California, or it's because my grandparents lived in Arizona. I digress. Um, so I'd never been out of the country because I don't count that because I was right. ten feet across the border in a city. I, I just never counted it as leaving the country. And David has all these crazy stories about traveling to Ireland with his grandpa and um, in England and in Mexico, but like Mexico City. And I was like, I want to travel. I want to go somewhere. Um, But I'm also very poor. I'm (laughs) very broke. Uh, So for some reason I just set my mind to making sure I went somewhere and I picked Italy and then it happened to be on my birthday because of plane that was plane tickets looking through this app called Hopper mm-hmm. where it tells you like the trends of when things are more expensive or less expensive that's awesome and we I mean we didn't even have all of our Airbnbs booked the day we left mm-hmm. um, because we wanted to leave a little bit up to some more randomness but we knew so I knew a few cities that I wanted to go to um, I didn't even get to go to all the ones I wanted which was the Alma- I definitely wanted to see the Amalfi Coast and Sicily but that was south and we went north mm-hmm. and two weeks seems like a long time until you're there you know and then you yeah. gotta get shit done and then all of a sudden it's tomorrow and now you have 10 days left and now you have 11 or nine days left <laughs> and you're like okay well fuck um is, now it's 11. <laughs> yeah so and i mean i i very much enjoy every minute that we had out there yeah uh-huh. what was the best and worst part <laughs> the best part i think was hiking in the Cinque Terre. Mm-hmm. the worst part was a one of one of uh David and I's bigger fights we had was um the the last few days probably like the fifth fourth to last day yeah in Italy we had a huge crazy public fight drunken public fight drunken public in the middle of um Padua train station <laughs> at a train station uh it started um at the on the way to the train station kind of and then a little bit in the train 
And then on the train station, once we get off the train, walking oh, to our Airbnb, fight. it was about a 45-minute fight. Man. Because it's a small train, like, it was a little train trip. Right. Um, but I was also drunk, so maybe it was longer or shorter. <laughs> <laughs> I was quite drunk. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. Ugly fight. For no reason. We're screaming at each other on the plane, I mean the train, and we get into the train station back in the city we're going to, and um, we're like outside the train station, like 200 yards from our Airbnb. It was right there. Um, and so we're kind of like yelling at each other in public and this woman approaches me while we're kind of like having this conversation very loudly and aggressively and she's like do you need help are you okay well that's good of her too. yeah it was yeah. very sweet of her to approach these two american strangers yeah. and to make sure i was okay yeah and to put because she was alone so then she was also putting herself at risk right. of the wrath of whoever is causing this drama um and it was like it kind of brought us both da- back down. We stopped shouting. We're like, reminder, oh my God, we yeah. were so embarrassed. Fucking in another country, yelling at each other in America. Like, they know these fucking American assholes. And so we, like, quietly walked to the Airbnb. And we both just, just kind of, like... And then we were just silent for a few hours, I think. We weren't speaking to each other. We were just kind of brooding. And then, finally, the tension breaks. And we were both, like, upset and crying. And, like, I'm so sorry. Just apologizing to each other about what we had done and like then talked about why we think it had happened and like um that was the worst part was the shouting at each other in public yeah do you come out of that i find oftentimes i think you get in a fight and you kind of come out of it stronger because you're dealing with something yeah when you do it in the context of this big trip that's supposed to be a vacation you know what i mean does it come out even stronger or is it not as meaningful I don't feel like it took away from the vacation at all. No, I mean the result of a fight. Because you usually come out of a fight feeling better or worse. And I wonder if that whatever it was was amplified being the fact that it was on a trip that was supposed to be like your your first time out the country. You know what I mean? Do you feel like do you feel like super rejuvenated? Like, oh my god, like did you wake up the next morning even more in love? <laughs> you know, or or did something like um did you like this wasn't resolved? Whatever this was. It did not feel unresolved. It didn't feel unresolved. No, and it didn't continue lingering. That's great, then. Um, I don't know if I felt more in love. Like, I can't, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a long time ago. It could ago. be the same. I don't know. It might be the same. But I just wonder, yeah. when you say when you mentioned it was one of the biggest fights you ever had on one of the biggest trips you've ever taken, I wonder if that means something different to you. And it might not. I was um, really just curious. Maybe just in the, like, the, a milestone of our relationship. Yeah? Okay. Um, and I feel like after every fight David and I have, we both come out having learned a little bit more patience with each other and a That's little awesome. bit more about each other's triggers. Um, and so, of course, like that builds strength. Absolutely, you're more knowledgeable um, about this you know. Yeah, thing you you're in. break yeah. the bone and it gets a little stronger. Like, um, and I feel like that happens um, quite a bit with both of us. That's good. Um, I learn some of my tendencies to to. I feel like I can be a little bit of a bully. Mm. Um, and that comes from my dad, for sure. And I see that now in him as an adult. And I see some of his manipulative tactics and his like um, uh, perceived strength over others. Mm. Like how he thinks he's stronger in certain aspects, so he'll use that. And I, I feel like I do that. Um, 
not on purpose because once I'm aware of it, I really try to back off because I don't like the behavior, but it's in me and I see it and I, I take advantage of weak points. And I feel like that was one of those things I did with David where I pointed out some weaknesses of his and I've learned to try to notice it. I, of That's course, huge. don't always notice because I've, I've caught myself doing it since then. I'm not perfect, you know, I'm fucking... But I try to be aware of it, and I know that that's something I have to watch out for is being a bully in my, in my relationship. That's a massive takeaway. Yeah. You know, if that's what you got out of it, I think that's a big deal. Because you're right. Like, I mean, that's – especially if it's inherited. You know what I mean? If, especially if it's just – Definitely learned part behavior. Of your nature. Yeah, yeah. It's like a lot of people are just like, well, that's how it is. No, deal. yeah, you know no. I mean? like, but that's a, a bully behavior. Are, yeah. Like, deal with me how I am. Hey. No, that's not a cool move. Like, a lot of people hide behind that, that too. Like, hey, it's me. You have to fucking. This is me. Accept me for who I am. It's like, no, being an asshole is not who you are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, of course. So it's no like. Um, obviously, I think that if you're aware of it, you would try to change it and know what kind of a person you are. But the fact that you are aware of it, that's a huge step because it's easy to miss shit. And how do you even know, right? Until something comes up where you have to be aware of it. Until there's confrontation, yeah. That where somebody points it out or... I don't even know if David ever had to point it out. Maybe he did. I don't remember every Mm -hmm. word we've ever said. Of course. But I know that once I became aware of it, I could then try to change it. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't I don't know how I would have become aware of it if I hadn't been in you a situation where I was fighting or doing the behavior. Um, I, I, I think I do something very similar. Uh, I don't think it's learned. I think I just, like, uh, have a mean sense of humor. <laughs> you know what okay. I mean? Yeah. And it wasn't until a fight with a partner <clears throat> that I realized... Oh, this is something I do a lot to people. <laughs> Maybe they do, they aren't laughing with me. Maybe they just want this to stop. <laughs> I don't. I know my perception of something I did yeah. might be more uh, dramatic than it actually seemed because I didn't know Kevin Tinkin well at the time. <laughs> but, okay. And I still don't know him well, and I don't know how he really took this because okay. he's also a comedian, so he filters things. Maybe he did a reaction right. that was funny instead yeah. of his true reaction. But so he comes over to um, Dustin's house mm-hmm. where when Dustin lived downtown by the tofu place. And um, he shows up at a Prius, and I made like a... Um, gay joke Mm -hmm. because he's driving a Prius and I don't remember the exact joke but it was something like um like how was it driving here with that dick in your ass or something like that because I'm making fun of the Prius and the grown man driving the Prius (laughs) it's not funny I mean it's not like intelligent humor but I thought it was super funny at the time it was kind of a weird joke it's funny (laughs) oh yeah and so he reacts but he didn't laugh. Right. He kind of did like a hurt, like a, I don't even know. It was a weird reaction for somebody. I thought Kevin, I this thought Kevin would like find it really funny. like a convenient cop out for you, Shelly. He's like, he looked really hurt, but he's a comedian. I know he was no, doing a bit. No, but I don't, I mean, I don't know for sure if Kevin didn't like, if he doesn't find gay jokes funny, if he didn't like me teasing him because he's driving a Prius and he's a grown man. Maybe, I don't know what Kevin's true reaction could have been, would have been. I don't know if he was then I think fucking he, with me by I not think reacting. He would have told you if he was upset. Yeah. So, but I was like, that's a weird, not cool, like frat boy joke.
everything has to be packed a certain way, which is not oh, true. Okay. You could literally just take everything however you wanted and deal with it later. Yeah. But I, I categorize and I, <laughs> and it, it says, I just am, it's me. It's how I am. To the point where I like, I have to, to stack dishes in a certain way before I even wash them. Like all the cups are sitting here, the silverware here, the plates are here, and then I will wash them in order. Yeah. Um, it's been a long time since I've done this, but I used to count dishes as I washed them. I had these weird really? tendencies, which I didn't really know what it was until I heard certain words like compulsive behavior. But I would do things like that. I would count as I as I washed dishes. Um, and it wasn't all the time. It wasn't like obsessive compulsive. I wasn't. Um, unhappy if I didn't do it. Yeah. But it was a thing I did. I counted things as I did them. Um, I can't now, like, connect it to anything that was happening. Like, was I more depressed when I counted? Was I less depressed when I counted? Was there anxieties going on? Was mm-hmm. there... Um, but I still, like, ha- I have a weird way of managing tasks and chores. Um, so moving sounds huge to me mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like I could just throw all my things in my car and go what if something breaks what if something breaks right it'll be okay it really <laughs> will like, and I don't even have valuable things like I have right. my phone and my iPad and they're in my pocket like they're right. not gonna break but what if that breaks it's a fucking thing it happened can you push yourself um, past that thought like can you answer it and be like then it breaks then what what happened does it, it just that, does it not go past that it depends, mm-hmm. truly. Like, um, I can mm-hmm. because, like, right now I can do it. Like, oh, what if it breaks? Yeah, you'll be fine. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but not in the moment. Okay. Um, right now, talking about it, yeah. I can be like, oh yeah, but then like, no, it's not going to be a big deal. But if I'm if I have a box in my hand and I'm walking to my car mm-hmm. and I have the perceived fear that I might drop it, I I'll obsess about not dropping it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't know if I feel like it's gonna be a failure of mine mm-hmm. if something breaks. Um, is there fear, or is it just like I don't want it to break? I can't break it. Is it like a? Uh, I, don't I don't know, know if I could distinguish the difference uh, between okay. not wanting something to break and being scared it's gonna break. Here's here's what I mean. Um, when I have a panic attack or anxiety or something, which I know this is not what you're describing specifically an attack, but like a situation where it's flared up. Yeah. Um, Intrusive thoughts. Right. Um, It's generally not, for me, it's not fear of anything going a certain way. It's just like sensory overload and just fear of the unknown. And I don't know why, but I'm feeling, I know this emotion is fear. Mm -hmm. I feel it coursing through my veins and I can't point to what it is. I can point to all these things that I'm thinking of yeah, and that's why it's anxiety to me because I'm like these are not problems; they're just things that I'm thinking of. But I'm filled with fear, and I don't know why. Um, so in that situation, it wouldn't be like an outcome, and that's why I asked. Like, are, if if you're really scared of it breaking, or if you're just kind of feeling that sensory overload, and that's what you're doing, so you attribute it to it could be that I don't I don't know if I could answer that. It might not have anything to do yeah. with what you're going through, but what you're describing seems familiar to me, so I just wanted to see if it was... There's definitely an anxiety there, mm-hmm. and um, 
I don't chalk it up to fear in this like impending terror yeah. or like something like is going to go so bad, like nothing will be ever okay again. But it's definitely an anxiety of something like I don't want to happen. And then I obsess about it not happening. Okay. Um, I, mostly because like it ends up being inconvenient. And then oh. I have to deal with the inconvenience of it happening so, when I'm doing something else. So is it something happening that wasn't planned? Is it breaking format? Maybe that's it. Because that's format. how it feels like. Yeah, because all, if I am... You know how small the boat is. Yes. It's like you get two two feet of space to walk down the hall. And I'll be doing something, um, moving something from the uh, one side of the boat to the fridge. And if David steps in my way to hug me, mm-hmm. I will find a moment of irritation of inconvenience. Wow. Okay. When, it's, when he's showing me affection and being sweet... I will be like, you're blocking my way. I don't say this out loud, but it happens in my head. Right. And then I have to back off. I have to tell myself, like, whoa, what was that reaction? Like, hug your husband. Yeah. But there definitely is a natural, intrusive thought of being inconvenienced. Yeah. Because I was planning on doing something, and you have disrupted my plan. And I feel like that anxiety builds up when I'm in the middle of doing the task. Mm -hmm. And now something has fucked up my flow, such as breaking something that you now have to do. Right. So it's preemptive, a lot of it. Just do it this way so we don't have to worry about the variables. We don't have to worry about what happens if it breaks or, uh, you know, whatever it may be. It's like it's in place for a reason. Don't Uh mess with format. And I find myself trying to to manage David. Mm Mm-hmm. And the way he does things so that things are easier on me mentally, too. Like, yeah. well, no, don't go that route. Go this route. It'll be easier on my brain. No, and well, he's again, like, well, you, we're going to the, yeah, we're yeah. Gonna get to the same place. Who cares if it takes two extra minutes? That's two extra minutes. Like, no, we're going to go the quicker route. But no, there's never been a moment where those two extra minutes have been that big of a deal. Right. Late, not late, early, whatever. Nobody's cared about those two minutes except for my anxiety. Wow, that's a that's a good way to put it. Like making anxiety the third character in this, like it's so separate. Yeah. It's like it's this thing that is jumping into my day and telling me how to feel about it. Like I, I've talked about this with David too, and I've never fully managed it. And it's the clock running my life. Um to the point where I go from task to task hopefully as quickly as possible to get to nowhere is it like there's no relief when I'm done um where I'll like plan out a day Mm -hmm. I get up I make myself breakfast and then I'm like okay I'm gonna go get coffee I'm gonna go get groceries maybe David and I are gonna go to the beach yeah and then all of a sudden now I have a time limit on nothing mm-hmm. and it's arbitrary and I've done it to myself but a couple minutes into sitting having our coffee that's supposed to be an, however much amount of time I want right. it to be or have allotted or till I feel comfortable I'm already like no we gotta get grocery shopping done we don't but I have now put time on myself yeah <clears throat> um, and I have not ever been able to overcome that 
it's a hard thing if it's the only thing you've ever done. If that's how you approach your, you know, I mean, that's not an unusual thing, starting your day with a list of tasks, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, and holding yourself accountable to completing those tasks. And I'll be honest, wait, lists have helped me a lot with, with my anxiety. That has helped me, yeah. having some tasks in place. Uh, but I do think that, um, I do think that changing it up and, and keeping, keeping routine in a healthy way, but still keeping your days fresh. Like, finding that balance, that's, I mean, it's obviously much easier said than done. And I'm trying to figure it out myself, too, but uh, it does seem like that might do a world of good so you don't have to get rid of your order, but trying to implement something to make the days different so it's not just the same chores. It's not just rinse, lather, repeat every day, you know what I mean? Yeah. That'd be a good place to get to. That's where I want to get to. That's what I mean. Yeah, that's the yeah. Z. No, that's what I'm saying. Trying to find how to get there is hard. Right. But, um, but yeah, if you can, without getting rid of the thing that makes you feel safe, the structure, and still finding something to to make it seem like each day is different from the last, that's like, I mean, it's hard, but I think that would, maybe that would help. Yeah. I would love, I mean, I would love to get there. I don't know how to get there. Mm-hmm. Um... Because another, like, thing I have, which is also not uncommon for people, is that <coughs> I feel like in order to change something, I have to completely undo the thing before it instead of slowly uh, morph. Right. And That's do, the thing. Is and do little bits over time. Yeah. Um, become a person who does that thing by doing it a little bit every day, and then eventually you'll do it more and more. I'm like, no, I have to undo this behavior so that I can be somebody else tomorrow. And that's not realistic. No. And I I don't know where to go. The you know, greatest change is gradual. Before. All of the oh, greatest of change in the world is gradual. And I could recognize that. Yeah. And understand it. But then implementing it. It's hard. It's its own monster. It's hard because it's different for everybody, too. You yeah. can't just read the book and be like, this guy figured it out. He's got the <laughs> answer. Like, <laughs> like... <coughs> You pull from as many sources as you can and you find what works for you, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yes. You've, uh, you're from the Valley. You ventured to, uh, Southern California. You found yourself living on the water. Yep. Uh, which was awesome for a week. (laughs) It's had its highs and lows. I have truly loved it. Sea level changes. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. The tide comes uh, in. Uh, went to Italy, been to Mexico, uh, heard of it, uh, heard of it in person. For a few minutes. <laughs> Where would you like to go? Oh my God. I would love to see a lot of other countries. Of course, you could name probably any country I might love to see it. Um, if you mean like physically on the map, I'd love to go lots of places. Uh, in life... I would enjoy being in a place where I had some balance in myself, (laughs) Um, such as what we've talked about with anxieties and um, more more mental comfort. Uh, I don't know if I'll ever... get to a comfort in like my living uh, 
you, the, the, the box you live in, you know, because I always find, um, arbitrary standards that, that I have to meet that I can never get to. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I guess if I could get somewhere more balanced mentally, they might not be as big of a deal. But yeah, I mean, I would love to see Ireland and Australia and I want to see Gary, um, in China. Our friend Gary, mm-hmm. David's friend Gary. I remember. But yeah, um, him and his wife and his baby. Also, China seems really weird and cool. Are they rioting right now? I don't know. I don't pay attention to the news. I hear it's gnarly in China right now. I believe you. You know, it's funny because uh, one of my coworkers is from Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, we had we had talked about how humid it was just today. And I was like, oh, yeah, the Amazon's in Brazil mm. is part of it. And I was like, oh, yeah, is, are those fires still going? Um, and she was like, I don't know. I was like, <laughs> me either. <laughs> and we were both like, that might be something we should be concerned about, is that that Amazon forest has been burning for months. Uh-huh. Is it done? <laughs> is it done burning? Are you done yet, <coughs> fire? Game of Thrones is on. Um, I don't want to gloss over uh, the fact that you gave me the best answer in the world and said that where do you want to go and you just said mentally balanced it's <laughs> way better than Ireland I, I, <laughs> I would trade harder all, to get to I would trade all the blades of grass in the world for a fucking mental stability but um, no I think uh, I think that's ideal I think it's a place that you want to look for and the fact that that's where you're looking means you're gonna get there faster okay no I'm serious yeah, like I mean, how many I people don't... say that but I mean you're sitting here for, in our conversation you've given me <coughs> several instances where you've identified behavior you try to correct you know what I mean you're very self aware um, and you're active in it it's not like oh when I was a little girl I knew this so that's this and that's how it is now it's like as, as early as a year ago you were saying like I had this major event this milestone in my relationship and I identified something that I didn't like and I'm working on it and I think you're on your way to balance because that's how it happens yeah yeah as long as there's a thing a, like if balance is actually attainable I think it is That'd be amazing. I really think it is. And I think it's more often there than not. And I think that people think balance is perfect, but it's not. It's balance means the good and the bad are balanced. You know yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah. People are thinking of balance as perfection, and it's not. Not everything no. is perfect, and life isn't a treat every day. But to achieve balance where everything is okay, I think a lot of people have that. And I think it's very attainable. I hope so. I really believe that. Yeah, yeah. I have to. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't... If I don't believe that, uh, then just, there's no point. Yeah, I'm just inherently critical. So, of like, even hearing something so positive <clears throat> as that it could be possible, not even that, like, no, you're there, and you're just like, oh, no, I'm not. Oh, you're pretty. No. You know, it's like, you automatically, maybe not you specifically, but, like, I tend to automatically negate something positive somebody says about yeah. me. Um... And so, like, even saying, like, yeah, balance is possible. I'm like, but is it? But not for any... I think it's, like, a natural reaction. There's a thing that... I think you're right. I think it is a reaction. And that's something that I would do a lot. Yeah. And I still do. But that's one of the things that I'm working on. 
and and the and the perception about that is why am I unable to be open to positivity? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like these are all, whether or not my humility comes into play at all. Why is thank you not the response? Yeah. Why is no 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 no? I'm an asshole. Let me tell you why. Don't say you know. <laughs> yeah. Don't compliment me. Why is it? I don't have to. Whatever I feel about that comment or not is irrelevant. Yeah. Why am I not open to positivity in that situation? You know what I mean? So little things like that, just being open to things and, and just not so quickly throwing things away um, has helped me quite a bit. I don't think I'm balanced, but I definitely feel like I've made more steps towards peace in my head this year than I have in a long time. Mm. And it was not a good year. <laughs> you know? It's weird. Yeah, it's just like... Um, you know, you never know. You never know. But I, I do think that if you're not receptive to it, um, it's not going to come. If you're pushing it away, yeah. if you're pushing away the things you want, then you're not going to get the things you want. Of course. And if I want is positivity, then I, I, I should at least be open to it. That's one of the things I've learned very recently. It's helped a lot. That's a good, a good grab. Yeah. That's what I say. I mean, you just be, be open to everything. Grab the things that work for you. Because yeah. what works for me may not work for you. But, you know, just be open to it all. Has, uh, has been my takeaway from 2019. I like it. I like you. <laughs> I love you, Shelly. No, you don't. I know. <laughs> See what I did there? I do. <laughs> I do. I do. Well, that does it for this episode. Uh, there's definitely more on the way. I can't speak to the frequency of release, but I do have a lot that I'm excited to get started on. Another big thank you to Shelly for sitting with me for this. I always love our conversations. Uh, stay safe out there, guys, and, and be good to your neighbors. Now more than ever, it's of the utmost importance to talk to people, uh, to listen to an alternative point of view. That's your homework assignment. Go talk to somebody new. You can thank me later. Uh, or you can thank me right now by rating and subscribing to this podcast. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, we will see you guys soon.